When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kick by Brown. Modra caught behind. Comes underneath. Waterhouse. Bang! Led with the shoulder. Terrific stuff, Clive. Fletcher the hand pass. Clive, you deserve a goal. He gives it off. Great football. Hazelby gets it. Yes, Wally Lup legend, Paul Hazelby. He's half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo. 3 p.m. weekdays on SENWA. And we're going to break... From what we normally do with Hayes, we normally talk about Wally Lup, of course, Fremantle, what? as we know them. What? Sorry. Three in a row, Duff. <laughs> I thought I'd come in here. we just uh, well, talk we'll, about all the good things down there at Wally Up. We'll, we'll touch on that, but I think there's a lot going on in footy, Hayes, and I know you're a very frank uh, and honest assessor of matters in footy. So the footy landscape has shifted uh, in a big way over the last 24 hours. What's your take on... One, what's happening at West Coast, and two, how Damien Hardwick's decision affects the landscape. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And you look at uh, what's happened with Damien Hardwick, and I've actually called for this last year, that I reckon once you come to the end of your dynasty period, I think as an AFL industry, we need to be smarter with those coaches because, you know, you don't coach forever and you've got to maximise those people in those positions so that they can actually be successful for a long time. So, you know, you look at when Damien Hardwick was basically finished with that dynasty, I thought it was probably two years ago, where they make a call and then bring somebody else in, and that challenges the whole playing group and actually keeps them there. And there's been two times in history where I've seen that happen. The first one was Mark Bomber-Thompson. So he wins two premierships and through some lifestyle decisions and him losing the playing group, they made a change. They're forced to make that change at that stage. Who comes in? Chris Scott. Who keeps Geelong at the top for 10 years where everybody else has called for Geelong to fall over and finally give in to age? It hasn't happened. Why? Because I think the new coach comes in and just changes everything. Because every player on that list has to then compete for the love of that coach again. So it just rejuvenates that coach in the playing group as well. Then the next one I've seen, and it's the team that the West Coast Eagles beat in the 2018 grand final, is Collingwood. Nathan Buckley has one poor year, and a call was made on him. Who comes in? Craig McRae. Who freshens up the list? Craig McRae. Is it the same players from 2018? A lot of them are. They've actually just been rejuvenated, got their energy back, and they've had to really fight hard for their positions to keep this going. Right now, you can't see the cliff coming for Collingwood. So I've always been a big believer in that. I loved his comment, what's best for the football club. That's what Damien Hardwick said. And if I said right now to the West Coast Eagles and Adam Simpson, what's best for the football club, that is that Adam Simpson parts ways with the West Coast Eagles and they bring somebody in and you're not going to get instant results. But as Hardwick said, as soon as you know that you're not going to be the coach in the future, I think it makes it pretty difficult on the coach, but it also makes it pretty difficult on all those players that know that you won't be around in three years' time because he won't see out those two years. And even if he does, he's not going to get an extension from where he is right now. So if that's the case, what's best for the football club is to make change. And I always go back to this analogy. If Adam Simpson did not have a contract, what would happen right now? 
Uh, he wouldn't be the coach of the club. That is the right decision. Forget money, forget all the rest. It's irrelevant. That should be the only question they ask themselves. So would it also be good for Adam Simpson? Like, does Adam Simpson still have coaching currency, you think, in the AFL landscape? And if they were to part company, say, at the end of this season, if nothing improves between now and the end of the season, would there be another position open to Adam Simpson if he wanted to be a senior coach? If Ross Lyon can come back from the wilderness and have three years out when he wasn't even developing himself as a coach, then absolutely there's a position for Adam Simpson. But the damage is being done, and the more of that, it uh, will make it a bit more difficult, but I think once we see coaches have a year out, their currency just goes up. Even right now, you're talking about Nathan Buckley, who didn't get a premiership, but I think there'd be clubs out there that would give him another go. Adam Simpson, 100% premiership coach, deserves another role, but take the year. And that's why I love the courage of Damien Hardwick. And we are waiting to see whether he has the passion maybe in the future to do it again. But by doing it now, he can actually spend the rest of this year to get himself right. And he may come back next year but I always believe take one year off. You don't go from the situation Simpson's in right now and the scrutiny and the pressure to then go to another team. You need that year off to refresh and actually see whether it's what you want to do anymore. And if it is, and the hunger's still there, like we saw with Alistair Clarkson and Ross Lyon, then you go for it. Given that Hardwick's done this now, so he's basically going to have um, seven or eight months to, to sit and recharge his batteries. Do you think... A, we'll see Damien Hardwick coach again, and B, could we see him coaching next year? It will come down to how he feels in that time off. Like, I know a lot of players, and I always talk to players and also coaches, get out of the system for one year. Just actually have a look and feel and smell what it's like to be out of the AFL environment because some people get there and go, wow, I'm never going back into that. But others, like we saw with Alistair Clarkson, went away, worked on his leadership's credentials and said, no, I missed that. It's a big part of my life. I think some become institutionalised in the AFL system because they've been there for so long. He would be in, had been in that system for almost 30 years, Damien Hardwick. But there are those others that come out for a year or two and actually realise the scrutiny and the pressure, particularly on their family, is not worthwhile. So they go on with their environment. And I speak to Chris Bond a little bit like this, that, you know, he was in that environment with Fremantle, gets out and never returns because he actually loves the freedom of what he can do in the new job that he's gone to. Yeah, no, Bondy's a classic example. Isn't he? he was a heart and soul football person. And mm. once he stepped away from it, he went, wow, there's this whole world going on outside of footy. So... A variation on the question I asked about Hardwick, if Adam Simpson were to go to West Coast and say, it's time, let's break the umbilical cord now, would you expect Adam Simpson to be coaching in the AFL next year? No. I think he he needs a bit more time. I think Adam Simpson. Um, And that's not going to happen right now. I think it will happen this year. I think it's some time. But depending on how they go, if they get more results on the weekend, Adam Simpson has to do the right thing by himself. And he's a very values-driven person. But he has to then see the bigger picture for the West Coast Eagles, where I think he does the right thing. And I think it's going to come to a time where they come to a financial agreement. It may not be the full whack that's owed on the contract going to 2025. It may be an adjustment on that. But I think both parties have to sit down and say, what's the best way out of this? And I think a new coach will come in and change everything. Because if a new coach comes in, I want a new physio department. I want a new um, 
you know, fitness regime as well. I want a new list manager. I want a new football manager. And then that starts to solve some of those problems that they have within this organisation right now where they've had key people in those positions for a long time. And a lot of those have built really strong relationships with Trevor Nisbet. But somebody needs to come in with just an open plan and make change. Well, that's the other question at West Coast, isn't it? Trevor Nisbet has been... The, foot, the chairman has said he's going to be there in the medium term, which means at least until the end of ne- this year and probably next year as well. Is that the right call by West Coast? Disagree with that. If they've already made the decision that he's moving on, let's start to look for a replacement CEO. That process could start now. And who knows? We're looking at Brendan Gale right now. Like, if he was available and gettable right now, why would you go one extra year with Trevor Nisbet? Just to, for the for the ego of Trevor Nisbet? Is that what it'd be for? Or do you do the right thing for the football club? That's the consideration. What is the right thing for the football club? And I think that's where they're falling down right now. And, look, there hasn't been any change as of yet that we've seen. The list manager, Rowan O'Brien, we could look there and talk about the recruiting and the list management and some of the decisions that we've seen in recent times. Like... He's one that they should be looking at as well. Gavin Bell, I said yesterday on the run home, if that was Peter Bell with a big name and Fremantle were in trouble, Peter Bell would be copying it because he's the football boss. Gavin Bell is the football boss of that football club. I've never heard anybody even scrutinised Gavin Bell. Why is that? He should be under the same amount of pressure as Adam Simpson and Trevor Nisbet because the football department is failing. Can you see any light at the end of the tunnel for West Coast if they get players back and start to be more competitive? Never as bad, never as good is a philosophy that I've always had. Like, it can turn pretty quickly. Can they get players back? Yes, they'll get some players back and they'll be competitive um, at times through the back half of this year. But going forward, I think, you know, they need to make some really tough list decisions, cut deep, like cut 12 or 14. With that, we'll take a bit more time uh, to get it right. And be careful not just topping your players up, your, your list up with average players next year. I think go young, look at the Hawthorne model, take the best parts of what they've done this year because they are closer to a premiership than many other teams, in my opinion, in the AFL. And I think they can learn from them and they can learn from other clubs that have topped up with senior players that have been around the edges, like we've seen with North Melbourne. Is that really helping them? I'd rather see games put into some of those kids. I think the Hawthorne rebuild between 04 and 07 is almost a good template to use, Pays. Hawthorne took six top 10 picks in three drafts. Do you know how many top 10 picks West Coast has taken over the past 10 years? Three? One. One in 10 years. So that's what they need, isn't it? They need young quality, basically. So they need to draft, draft, and draft. Yes, but if you look at the Fremantle build, and yes, they've got Brayshaw, they've got Sarong, they've got Young. Their success is not built really on those guys. Their success is built on the picks they've had from 40 to the rookie list. If you go through Alex Pierce, you go through Brennan Cox, you go through Lockie Schultz, those sort of players. Luke Ryan. Luke Ryan, Michael Frederick. Another one, they're the picks that they've actually nailed. And that's where I think listening to the chairman, Paul Fitzpatrick, talk about the high draft picks, I I call BS on that. 
get the other picks right because you can bring in good players at the bottom end of the draft. We've seen that time and time again, but you're just not looking in the right places at the moment. It's a fascinating industry, isn't it? When you watch a 24-hour period like we've seen where the heat was right on West Coast and then the Hardwick bombshell drops last night and there's this Mm. quantum shift in the landscape. Hey, let's touch on Fremantle before you go. Great win against Geelong on the weekend. What did you make of it? Oh, they're back. Absolutely, they are back. And I I saw it four weeks ago, that game against Brisbane. I came in really buoyed by the performance because there was a shift. And Justin Longmuir needs credit for his ability to put his hand up and make some change because you can clearly see it. They want to take the ball forward all the time. And now we're seeing the byproduct of that is confidence. They know where the ball's going. So I thought on the weekend it was the best game they had from an outnumber point of view because of that chemistry they're now building, that it's going to go corridor, it's going to go over the top because we have certain numbers there to run and carry and it meant they got some really good looks inside their forward 50. They were too quick. I think also the byproduct of, of that movement is we're seeing a few of their midfielders get forward because they know where the ball's going to end up and actually impact the scoreboard and the numbers defensively aren't in their forward line anymore because they're not giving a chance to those defences to get set. It's been a big win and the forwards as well are starting to get some really good one-on-one looks and we're starting to talk uh, really kindly about some of those developing players. A couple of players we don't talk about a lot, um, Bailey Banfield and his role on the weekend. Yeah, he was enormous. He's going to always fight for his position and there's still a frustration that he kicks 1-3. You know, for him to really cement that spot, it becomes 3-1. And some of the kicks that he has actually kicking the ball inside the forward 50, then you've got to start to take them. And he didn't on the weekend with some of them, but he was so smart. And Frio were in tune with his role too. If you're going to play that role defensively, you've got to go through that player because right now teams let Bailey Banfield go. They say, you go up there, we're happy to sit off you. And the key for his success will be, does he hurt them either on the scoreboard or these kicks inside the forward 50? And for the most part, on the weekend, he did. Yeah, there was that great square-up kick. I think it was to Michael Walters, the kick back inside the corridor. And if you get the ball to Michael Walters, 25 out, it's a goal, Mm. isn't it? Uh, Brandon Walker's the other one, quietly putting together a very nice season. Yeah, I love the work that he did. He's got closing speed, so he can actually give a bit of meterage to his opponent, but then come at the right time and close it down. But he's the one that's really starting to kickstart and generate that ball movement as well. So the speed that he's bringing and the tougher options that they're all looking for. I think there was a number of times that I saw in the back half where they had the easy option, the option they were taking in rounds one, two, and three out wide. But instead, they're looking for something better. Can I go more corridor? Can I go central? Can I take a bit more of a risk rather than just chipping sideways and then holding the ball up? Somebody's giving me a hard time. Luke. Yeah, Luke. Luke's been Luke's been getting into me as well. I made a comment about North Melbourne having more reason for optimism than West Coast. I mean, my point, Luke, yesterday was basically not whether any club had done it better. Yes, North Melbourne have been down the bottom, but I'm looking at North Melbourne's midfield And I'm saying I'm really excited about that Mm. midfield in three years' time. I'm not looking at West Coast midfield the same way. Hey, um, James Aish, we questioned his role in the team last week. Did you see anything better from him on the weekend? Yeah, a little bit better. Got forward, kicked the goal as well. Um, look, it's it's amazing that when when you win and you win well, I think everybody scrutiny or the scrutiny on the performance of individuals is certainly not at the same level. He didn't have a high possession game, but just in his intensity, he looked a little bit better. So you'd continue with that. And Ethan Hughes um, got in the coaches' votes. Not sure if they came from 
Chris Scott, or they came all from Justin Longmuir, but his role in the back line has been pretty serviceable. And given that we're not going to see Heath Chapman for another five to seven weeks, I think he's going to maintain that role. And he's fought back pretty hard. Still like to see both Johnson and Erasmus in there if they could get them in. I don't know how that works Mm. at the moment, but I think it's really important both those players get exposure to AFL footy this year. Matt Johnson looked good again, didn't he? He's starting to really build. He yeah. had the eight possessions coming in uh, when Nathan Fife was subbed out of the contest. He gives flexibility, but he's also one of those better decision makers. Probably not right now. I think it will come, but you can see it, that he's one of those guys like Pendlebury that will just sum the situation up and find the right player at the right time. Did they get the Fife role right on the weekend? Nailed it. And wasn't he important? Through yep. the midfield, he actually kick-started everything I felt particularly early with some of those contested ball wins, takes a lot of pressure off and he just throws another dynamic at the opposition coach and their midfield. It's no, it's no longer just, okay, Sarong first, Brayshaw second. Now Brayshaw's built his season, built his season really well. His last three weeks have been amazing. O'Meara, his last three weeks have been amazing as well. And now Nathan Fife going in there. It's a pretty good mix all of a sudden. It gives him something different to look at with Sean Darcy's taps, doesn't it? Like, he was getting a bit predictable mm. and getting picked off, but they can now go to Sarong, Brayshaw offers something different. Amir is really clean in there, so if it goes to him, he's one grab, you know, and then gets the, rid of the ball. And Fife just comes through like a snowplough, and anything in front of him just gets either hoovered up or, or knocked out of the way. Um, can they beat Melbourne at the MCG? They can. Never easy. I probably won't be tipping him this week, but we wait to see what happens with Clayton Oliver. Um, big challenge is to maintain that ball movement to give themselves a chance against the defence of Melbourne. Like we've seen in recent weeks, Jackson played pretty well. Tracy, the week before against Sydney, was excellent. And Jai Amos is going like a beauty, but this is Stephen May and this is Jake Lever and whoever else they've got down there that uh, rotates through those positions. It's a different kettle of fish. But if they get the ball movement right, they give those guys a bit more chance to get one-on-one looks with space by creating that out number through the midfield. Now, Hayes, you made me raise my eyebrows at the start of the year when you said that um, Jai Amos Mm. will kick 40 goals this year. Now, right now... He's got 17. 16, I think. 16, is it? Um... Now, 16 goals by 22 games is 39 goals. And we got robbed. Longmuir robbed me of a chance of this happening. He didn't play him in round one, and his confidence was shot in round two. He got the early sub, I think it was. He did. In round two. So he is coming, and there's a bag. There's a bag coming where it's going to help, where he gets four or five. He doesn't need many looks, does he? Such a a good finisher. And that's what happens when you use your early picks. And Fremantle need to learn from this that they actually went to the draft and used a top 10 pick on a key forward. You want to replace Matthew Pavlich? That's how you do it. One more before I let you go. Where are you sitting with Josh Tracy? Jury's still out on Josh Tracy. He, he did. And again, like he had, what, five or six possessions on the weekend. If that was a losing team, then the scrutiny and the pressure comes on him. So I think winning hides everything within a football club. Um, the fact that he had that upside game, I think that was good for me to see because I hadn't seen that before. That you know if you get this kid right, there's some good upside. But he's got a bit of work to do. Paul Hazelby, always great to get his thoughts. He's a Wally Up legend and he's part of the run home with Hayes and Mardo. It's on 3pm weekdays on SEN so you can hear more of Hayes' gems later on in the day. Hayes, as always, a pleasure to talk to you and get your insights on footy. Thank you, Duff. Appreciate it. We'll do it next week. 
We will. We certainly will. What do you think? You can have your say on the temperate bedshed text line on 0487 736 736 or you can call us on the open line 13 12 55. We'll take a break and be back with more of the show.